Sawete discipuli discipuli quelingua latinae, mihi valde placet tuoviscum iterum loqui, et vos pulcram linguam latinam aeternam docere. Today, we are going to talk about comparison of adjectives and adverbs, which is actually a topic that we have addressed from time to time lexically, that is, as vocabulary items. This is, however, a pattern worth discussing in greater detail. Adjectives describe. For example, we can call Neptune savage or fierce. Neptunus saevus est. What if, however, Mars is more vicious than Neptune? I could say, Mars magis saevus est quam Neptunus, where magis means more and quam than. But Latin also offers the comparative form of the adjective, which is the equivalent of putting er on the end, which we can do with such one-syllable adjectives as fierce in English. Mars is fiercer than Neptune, or in Latin, Mars saeviorest quam Neptunus. The eor ending is equivalent to English er on fiercer. This is the comparative degree of the adjective, the form of the adjective used for making comparisons. Latin can also get rid of quam or than altogether and put the comparandum in the ablative, which we cleverly call the ablative of comparison. Mars saeviorest Neptuno. Mars is fiercer than Neptune. But what if Jupiter is the fiercest god of all? We could use maxime, which means most, and say maxime saevus, most fierce. But we can also use the superlative degree of the adjective, which is the equivalent of est, as in fiercest. In Latin, the ending is isimus aum. Jupiter is the fiercest. Jupiter saevissimus est. You might remember gratissimus, meaning most pleasing. If gratissimus means most pleasing, how would we say just pleasing? Gratus. And you are personae gratae. In any case, the three forms of the adjective, saevus, saevior, saevissimus, are called the degrees of the adjective. The regular or normal form of the adjective is called the positive degree. I posit, Neptunus saevus est. Neptune is fierce. The comparative degree is for comparisons, and the superlative degree for when you need to go over the top with, well, superlatives. Let's practice. In English, happy is the positive degree. What's the comparative degree? Happier or more happy? And the superlative degree, happiest or most happy. In Latin, happy is lightus. How do we say happier? Lightior. Most happy. Lightissimus. There is some fine print, of course, as Latin is an inflected language. We have three genders and three declensions in our various degrees. The positive degree of lightus is a first and second declension adjective, so our other genders are lita, feminine, 
and lightum neuter. Comparative degree, however, is a third declension adjective of two endings. So we would use lightior for masculine and feminine nouns and lightius for neuter nouns. A happier war would be bellum lightius. Then I confuse. Since the positive degree would be bellum lightum, a happy war, but there are two clues. First, why does a U.S. ending modify such an obviously neuter word as bellum? And second clue, there is a telltale I before that U.S. It's not us at all, but I-U-S. Easy for me to say. The good news is that the genitive for all three genders is lightioris. And after that, only regular third declension noun endings need apply. By means of happier wars, bellis lightioribus, for example. The superlative forms are first and second declension. The happiest person, homo lightissimus. The most fortunate funeral pyre, pura lightissima. And the most happy omen, omen lightissimum. This works for third declension adjectives as well. Fortis forta is a regular third declension adjective that means strong. How do we form the comparative degree? How would we say stronger? We add ior for the masculine and feminine, and ius for the neuter, yielding fortior fortius. And the superlative, strongest, just add isimus aum, fortissimus, fortissima, fortissimum. Are there any exceptions? Irregular adjectives. One of the most irregular, both in English and Latin, is good. Unless we are three years old, we're not allowed to say good, gooder, goodest. Although comparing good in this way would be perfectly intelligible and a kindness for all English language learners. But no, we cling to the irregular good, better, best, bad, worse, worst. Languages are messy, and Latin has its exceptions too. Good, better, best. Please repeat. Bonus aum. Melior melius. Optimus aum. Please repeat the masculine. Bonus melior optimus. And the feminine. Bona melior optima. And the neuter. Bonum melius optimum. And we have derivatives in English from all these degrees. A bonus is a good thing to receive. And when we ameliorate a situation, we make it better. And what is optimal is best. Similarly, bad, worse, worst is malus aum, payor payus, pessimus aum. And again, these Latin words have been productive in English. What does a malefactor do? Bad things. How do pejorative comments make something appear? Worse. And what does a pessimist expect? The worst. There are some other irregular adjectives, of course, which we may look up as we need them.
But knowing the general shape of the comparative and superlative degrees allows us to figure out oddities as we encounter them. Consider these slightly irregular superlative. Faculus, which means easy. What does facilimus mean? What makes more sense? Easier or easiest? If the adjective were regular in all three degrees, we'd expect faculus, facilior, facilissimus. Instead, we find, and please repeat, faculus, facilior, facilimus. Again, facilimus. Doubling the L sound sounds better. This is the regular pattern for adjectives whose stems end in L. Try this one. Graculus means graceful. How would we say most graceful? Gracilimus. We observe something similar when the stem of an adjective ends in R. Pretty, pulcare. Prettier, pulcrior. Prettiest, pulcarimus. We double the R. Please repeat, pulcarimus. But there's one other thing to consider. These adjectives can also be turned into adverbs. Adjectives of the first and second declension can be turned into adverbs by the substitution of a lone, long E for the ending. So if rapidus is rapid, how do we say rapidly? Answer, rapide. And if rapidissimus means most rapid, how do we say most rapidly? Answer, rapidissime. And if rapidior means more rapid, how do we say more rapidly? Don't answer that question. The comparative adverb actually looks just like the neuter accusative of the comparative adjective, which of course is the same as the neuter nominative. More rapidly is rapidius. And there we have it. The regular comparison of an adverb. Rapide, rapidly. Rapidius, more rapidly. And rapidissime, most rapidly. Please repeat after me. Rapide, rapidius, rapidissime. What about faculus? How do we say easily? It's third declension, so we use the neuter singular, facile. And more easily, again, neuter singular, facilius. And most easily, we'll need that irregular form, facilimus, but we need to replace the U.S. with a long E. Yielding, facilime. How about happily, more happily, most happily? Lite, litius, litissime. Fiercely, more fiercely, most fiercely. Sywe, sywius, sywissime. Full disclosure compels me to add that another adverbial ending exists, ter. To say, Caesar fights bravely, I could use the neuter accusative singular of the third declension adjective, fortis forte, and write caesar forte pugnat, 
Or I could use the suffix ter and write Caesar fortiter pugnat. But these details and patterns will, like so many things, become clearer with practice. And a dictionary will easily clarify many, if not most, such matters. And this, this brings me to the topic of not just surviving, but enjoying Latin prose and poetry on your own without someone to parse the words with you. As we've moved through this course, I've tried to model some strategies for tackling sentences, clauses, phrases, looking for what's essential, and filling in the details after grasping the main point. And I think this approach works. It's certainly one that has worked for me and for many students. And as we've moved through these lectures, we've taken stock from time to time of the patterns that are our friends. And it is the repetitive nature of these essential patterns that help us make our way through Latin, even when we are unsure of a tense or mood or case. If we can find the verb, and we remember how or am est mustisunt, or perhaps aris tur, morbinintur, affect the meaning, we've already accomplished a lot. And we have observed on more than one occasion patterns in the various cases. Dative and ablative plurals can end in is, ibus, or abus, for example. We can actually go a long way even with a minimal morphological and grammatical repertoire. We could, armed with some endings, a good dictionary, and perhaps a peek into a translation from time to time, and that's not a bad thing, make our way through a great deal of Latin. We merely need to be patient and to keep experimenting with possibilities. But let none of this detract from the usefulness of knowing the forms dead cold. That's even better. The more one knows, the easier it is. But the road is not always smooth and practice makes perfect. Ad astra per aspera to the neuter plural accusative stars by way of neuter plural accusative difficulties. You've traversed the aspera, so we should enjoy some astra. And in the next lesson, our last lesson, I'll outline some places you might go to continue your studies on your own without me. As lonely as saying that makes me feel. One place where ancient voices communicate with us directly is on inscriptions, especially Roman tombstones, which we can view in select museums. The Metropolitan Museum in New York, for example, offers some interesting examples, or in books, or online, or even better in Italy. In comparison, for example, with an oration by Cicero, a highly educated politician, not to mention a sophisticated lawyer experienced in both prosecution and defense, the Latin we find on inscriptions, often speaks to us simply and directly. And we get a real sense that the author speaks to us personally across the millennia. And although the Latin is not always flawless, it conveys meaning. A favorite inscription of mine is inscription number 18,817 from volume 6 of the Corpus Inscriptionum Latinarum. It's a huge collection of inscriptions, 
from all territories that were once part of the Roman world. This inscription comes from a tombstone erected in imperial times by a freedwoman named Furia Space for her deceased husband, whose name was Lucius Sempronius Firmus. In your guidebook, you will find a version of the inscription that expands abbreviations, adds macrons, and corrects a non-standard spelling. This text also offers us an opportunity to practice the irregular verb wolo in the subjunctive, as well as a chance to practice the superlative degree of adjectives and the comparative degree of adverbs. What we don't finish in this lesson, we will complete in the next. The inscription begins with the following line, and I'd like you to repeat after me. Animae sanctae colendae, dismanibus, sacrum, furia space, Lucio Sempronio Firmo, coniugi carissimo mihi. We have expanded the abbreviation DM to the dative dis manibus. But if you ever have a chance to view Latin inscriptions on tombstones, the abbreviation DM is worth knowing as the abbreviation DM is ubiquitous. DM stands in the nominative plural for demones. D is a contraction of dei, gods. The dative was routinely abbreviated as well, hence dis from deis. The third declension, monibus, on the other hand, or manes in the nominative plural, were ghosts or spirits especially ancestral spirits. Together, despite the plural, the phrase demones referred to the spirit of the deceased individual who had, presumably, returned to the ancestral spirits or gods. Although the Latin is plural, we'll probably feel better if we translate the demones as divine spirit or deceased spirit. By the way, Although I've studied this particular inscription for some time, I'm not 100% certain of my translation. Why? This inscription is not a work of literature. Neither author nor stonecutter took care to express everything in perfectly standard Latin. But that very human imperfection is part of the fun and the challenge, as we shall see. Again, please repeat after me. Animae sanctae colendae. Dismanibus, sacrum, furia space, lucio sempronio firmo, coniugi carissimo mihi. Can you find a verb? I can't, and that's a problem. Not to mention quite common for the opening lines of such inscriptions. I propose to put in a hoc fake it. She made this. It est hoc sepulchrum, this tomb, which would allow us to construe the nominatives, genitives, and datives. Please repeat again. Animae sancti colendae dis manibus. 
sacrum. Furia space hoc fecit. Lucio sempronio firmo coniugi carissimo mihi. You probably need some vocabulary. Anima, animai, is a first declension feminine that can mean spirit or soul, and can be used of a living spirit as well as a deceased one. Sanctus, sancta, sanctum is an adjective that means holy. The verb colo, colore, coluicultum means to reverence, to worship. And you'll notice that fourth principle part, cultum, gave us religious cult. But what is the form of colendi? It is a future passive participle carrying with it the idea of obligation or necessity. What must be done for the anima sancta, or holy soul? How do we translate kalendai? We could say necessary to be worshipped, or perhaps deserving reverence. Then we have our dative, two or four, the divine deceased spirit. Next up, a neuter singular, sacrum. From sacer, sacra, sacrum, which can mean holy, sacred, or dedicated to, devoted to. Furia space is our nominative subject. Then I supply hoc fecit. She made this. Let's see if we can now work backwards. Furia space hoc fecit sacrum. Furia space made this sacred. That is, she devoted this tomb, dis manibus, to the divine deceased spirit, Animae sancti colendi of a holy soul deserving of reverence. How have I construed the AE ending on animae? Yes, as a genitive. The anima possesses the deceased spirit. Furious space made this sacred for the divine deceased spirit of a holy soul deserving reverence. But what case do we find in the phrase Lucio sempronio firmo coniugi carissimo? Lucius sempronius firmus is a second declension name, so an O could be dative or singular. But the next phrase, coniugi carissimo, tells us that the word has to be dative. Why? Coniugs, coniugus is a third declension noun meaning spouse. Let's decline. Conjunx, conjugus, conjugi. Conjugi has to be dative. What about carissimo? Carus ao means dear, precious, beloved. But furia uses the superlative degree of the adjective. If carus means beloved, can you translate carissimo? Yes, most beloved. Can we take a stab at translating Lucio sempronio firmo, coniugi carissimo, as a dative? Two or four Lucius sempronius firmus, a husband most dear. I forgot a word. Mihi? Sorry. Please repeat. Ego mei mihi me me. Which means, I, of me, to or for me, verb me, by or with me. Please repeat. Ego mei mihi me me. 
samihi, to or for me. Konyugi carissimo mihi, to whom is the husband carissimo? Mihi, to me. Let's take our translation from the top. Furious space dedicated this to the deceased spirit of a holy soul deserving of reverence, namely for Lucius Sempronius Firmus, a husband most dear to me. But we've only looked at the first part of the sentence. It goes on to describe Furia's and Lucius's relationship while they were alive. And Furia speaks to us in the first person. Ut cognovi puer puella obligati amori pariter. Please repeat the principal parts of the verb. Cognosco cognoscere. Cognovi cognotum. Cognosco means to get to know, become acquainted with. So what does Furia tell us? The verb is perfect indicative in the first person singular. I became acquainted with. Ut plus the perfect indicative can mean as soon as. Now how do I know that particular fact? I looked it up yet again in the dictionary. So how can we translate uk ut cognovi? As soon as I became acquainted with. As soon as I got to know. Can you say love at first sight? And the next words, do not disappoint. Puer puella amori obligati pariter. Translating word for word, puer, boy, puella, girl, amori. You may recall amor amoris. Amor means love, and amori looks data, so let's translate it as a dative, to or for love. And obligati, it means having been bound. And a word modified by pariter. Par means equal. If we add ter, par or equal becomes pariter, or equally. Boy and girl having been equally bound in love. By the way, the Latin teacher in me would have been much happier if amori were ablative, but our goal today is to listen with as much understanding as our knowledge of Latin morphology will permit to furious words as she wrote them. Obligati, derives from obligatus, the perfect passive participle of obligo, to tie or to bind. What is the number? Referring as it does to both boy and girl. It's got to be plural, which would make it nominative. And both puer and puella are nominative. But obligati is masculine, you protest, and girls are feminine. Sorry, it's customary in Latin to refer to mixed groups with the masculine. But how do we reconcile our boy-girl plural nominative with our singular verb cognoi? I think that Furia is the speaker, so she opted for a singular verb, even though she attracted her deceased husband into the nominative case. Ut cognoi, as soon as I knew, puer puella obligati amori pariter, a girl and a boy equally bound in love. Not doing it for you? How about as soon as I, a girl, got to know him, a boy, we were equally bound by love? 
The syntax doesn't work precisely. Nevertheless, we know exactly what Fury is saying. When I was a girl, I fell in love as soon as I saw him. And the two of us, a boy and a girl, were bound equally by love from that point forward. Let's put what we have together. Please repeat. Animae santae colendae dis manibus. Sacrum furia spes hoc fecit. Lucio sempronio firmo coniugi carissimo mi. What cognovi? Puer puella obligati amori pariter. Furious Space has dedicated this sacred tomb to the divine deceased spirit of a holy soul deserving of reverence. Lucius Sempronius Firmus, a husband most dear to me. As soon as I knew him, a girl and a boy, bound equally in love. Furious Latin is not polished, but I would suggest that Furious words still speak simply and poignantly if we are willing to listen. Tempus fugit. So let us save the rest of Furia's inscription for our last lesson, after which we too, alas, must part company. Et nunc linguae latinae amatoris potestis omnes exire, but linguam latinam discatis. Gratias vobisago, et donec nos iterum viderimus, curate ut valeatis.